KYW Original Podcasts. Hey, everybody. This is Flashpoint host Cherry Gregg. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Flashpoint podcast. Would you do me a favor? Would you rate and review this podcast? We need your reviews to get us to the top. Please give us feedback. I read every single one of them, and I really appreciate you. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Flashpoint family. Now let's get to it. This week, we look at the battle over what was supposed to become the nation's first safe injection site. But South Philly shut it down 48 hours after it was announced. To try to push this down the community's throat without any type of community meeting was totally insulting and disrespectful. Let me tell you, the war is far from over. Every community should have the expectation that something like this could open. Next steps in the effort to open a safe house and the pushback that's coming as soon as this week. Then former Governor Ed Rendell speaks out. The people who run safe house were confident once it opened. People would see there was no problem. Why he's confident safe injection sites are part of the city's future. We'll be right back. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at donors1.org. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. The focus is the controversy over what was supposed to become the nation's first safe injection site. Earlier this week, Safe House won a federal victory that cleared the way for it to open a facility that would allow patients to inject illegal drugs under the supervision of medical staff. The goal? Stop opioid overdoses. The nonprofit announced the center would open next week in South Philadelphia, sparking outrage. And by the end of the week, it was shut down. So where does the community stand? With me in the studio to discuss this flashpoint is Councilman Kenyatta Johnson, who represents the 2nd District where Safe House was slated to open. We also have Anthony Giordano, founder and president of Stand Up South Philly and Take Our Streets Back Unite. And finally, we have James Guido, a South Philly resident who is president and zoning chair of West Passion Neighbors. Everybody, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you. Thanks for having us. First, reaction to the recent news that Safe House will not open in Constitution Plaza because the landlord pulled the lease. Councilman, I'll start with you. Just your reaction. Well, first and foremost, I'm very relieved. The community has spoken this process. Um, it, it wasn't very transparent, but most importantly, there was no community input at all. And if you're going to put a safe injection site in a neighborhood, a residential area, um, you have to have community input. But most importantly, this site didn't make sense because you had two daycare centers in the same site of the safe injection site. You also had a senior life center. And down the street is also a high school. So the site never made sense at all. And But to try to push this down the community's throat without any type of conversation, any, any type of community meeting was totally insulting and disrespectful. So... Uh, I'm happy that this is uh, we won this battle, but the war isn't over because there's rumored to be 20 additional sites proposed. And so going around the zoning process was basically a backdoor way to put this site into South Philadelphia. And I just want to be clear, uh, Councilman, are you against safe injection? Yeah, I don't support the concept at all. Anthony, you have been gearing up to do a protest, came out strongly against it. Are you breathing a sigh of relief right now? We are. Last night, uh, I worked till about 10 o'clock. My phone was blowing up, as people like to say nowadays, Cherry. Uh, My wife called me, and it's just a sense of relief and jubilation at the same time, knowing that our voices were heard. And we spoke up and they listened at this point. 
doesn't mean they're going to continue to listen, like Councilman Kenyatta Johnson just said. They are uh, proposing 19 different sites throughout the city. Uh, my following on our page is uh, very excited. We're going to uh, stand up. We're going to speak up. We're, we're very annoyed at the process, as is the councilman, uh, how you tried to backdoor the citizens of Philadelphia, especially South Philadelphia. Uh, we, my hashtag is unite. We want to unite the entire city of Philadelphia. Yeah. I want to send a message out to the entire city of Philadelphia that they try to open these sites anywhere. You reach out to me and I'll stand with anybody in their community. Yeah. And so, James, uh, you're here as well. You're for safe injection sites. Uh, was there an overreaction here? Um, I do believe there is an overreaction. The current site um, now is an injection site. It's just an illegal public site um, on the sidewalk and in the subway, which is dangerous for the daycare kids and the high school students uh, and anyone who's walking up and down that block. Um, if you were to go down that block at any point during the day, there are unfortunately people using, using drugs. Um, it's public. It's out on the sidewalk and it's happening. Um, I'm in favor of bringing that illicit drug use inside uh, in a safe environment where someone can be asked at the beginning, do you need help? Do you need rehab? Uh, is there any type of resources that we can provide to you? Um, and then also being asked again on their way out. Um, the end goal is preventing death, um, plain and simple. We lose five times more people in the city to overdose than we do for gun violence. Um, and it's just not addressed the same way that gun violence is. So um, I am in support of the site. Yeah, and I want to go back to you, Councilman. I mean, the bottom line is people are dying in your district. Every week you got somebody getting picked up dead. Let, let, me, let me be clear on this. I'm born and raised in South Philly all my life, right? No family members, friends who have died as, as relates to um, drug addiction getting high. So this whole topic isn't new. Now it's yeah. like the popular thing yeah. to do because it's touching other populations of people. So let, let me be clear about uh, my support of individuals who need help when it comes to drug addiction. As a city, we spend more than $100 million, $100 million to the Department of the Behavioral Health as relates to resources and addressing the opioid crisis. So why aren't we looking at an overall comprehensive plan? If you're spending $100 million to address this issue, that means something is not working. And when you talk about that particular corridor, I, I go down Broad Street on a regular. The people who get, who get high is outside of an actual medical facility called The Wedge, which is across the street between Snyder Avenue and McKean, not in front of Constitution Plaza at all. The people congregate actually outside of a city-supported health, city-supported um, drug program called The Wedge, which is on Broad Street between McKean and Snyder. Like, so we haven't even started to even address to help those individuals stop hanging, hanging in front of that corridor with the resources that we have. And so for me, of course I want to support individuals yeah. who need help, right? That's always going to be my position. But enabling them to continuously to get high, I don't think that's the direction to go. Yeah, and, and, and so and I get that. I get that. Mm -hmm. So what was the big fear of the community? And I mean, uh, you know. They, I'll tell you one big fear. I've gotten calls yeah. right, from parents. Right. Outrage. You know why? Because you have two daycare centers and the same proposed site of a safe injection site. So what happens when that child on their way to school, they pick up a bag of heroin. They get stuck with a needle. Right. How do you put two of them inside the same building where at least as a city, let's say revenue for or against it as a city right now, the policy is if you want to open up a pool hall, it can't be within a certain amount of feet of different types of institutions in the city of Philadelphia. You have yeah. to get approval. 
you can't sell certain tobacco cigarettes within a certain amount of feet of school. So you're going to open up a safe injection site but in I, the same building and, and of, and this, of the daycare center? And this is, and this is a, a fear. I mean, the, the goal was to not have heroin all outside. And, so, and, and, and people were going to go inside this facility. The needles were not going to be outside of the facility. And what was your, your fear? I mean, Anthony, as a, as a resident, were you the same? Were you one of the folks calling councilmen? Saying the same well, thing? Yeah, he was. Absolutely. I mean, the council exchanged uh, cell phone numbers mm-hmm. a, few, a few weeks back. We've been constantly in contact with each other, either via text or telephone conversations. Uh, I agree 100% with the councilman. Uh, I cannot wrap my head around into someone being able to legally shoot up illegal narcotics and think this is better quality of life for this person. All right? Inside that uh, building also is... Uh, uh, the Elwin School, with children with disabilities, with autism, and on the spectrum of autism. Who's to say that they uh, won't drop a bag of heroin walking in? All right? Who's to say walking So out? your issue was was with the site location, uh, My issue is with the entire premise of safe, safe injection, mm-hmm. what it's going to bring to the neighborhoods, okay? It's going to bring in drug dealing to the neighborhoods. It's also But, but it's not like it's not happening in South Philly. Why are people pretending like it's not happening the, out in the, the open? The premise of the wedge center is to not promote drug use. It's to try to get people help to get off of drugs. Isn't that what the safe injection site was for, too? Can the I... safe injection site is for to <laughs> enable you for a clean environment to shoot up and have a safe place to do it to stop the spread the spread of disease and stuff like that. So illegally shooting up heroin in the city of Philadelphia, then leaving that facility, mm-hmm. the element of crime will be outside. Someone's high; they need their next fix. Drug dealers will be standing right there. And, and do you think? I mean, and do you think it would really be and that? I mean, and James, I, and I'm only pushing back. Can I, can I give you the picture? Can Can I give you the picture of what Vancouver safe injection site looks like? So I just I. Mm-hmm. I want to address a couple things in the sense of why this location was even selected in the first place, which is Councilman Prerogative, where um, Councilman Squilla spot zoned the location in Kensington, which is the epicenter of our um, our drug crisis. And the I believe, and I don't know this for a fact, but I would believe that the reason that this location was selected was because it was by right, meaning that they did not have to go through the zoning process. And the reason that it was so sudden was so that the councilman who has come out against these sites couldn't spot zone. But, so but that they no, 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 no. But, but time out, time out. But let me let me clarify this, right? Because now you're trying to make it political when you say councilmanic prerogative and why they backdoor it. But let me, let me ask you this then. Let's just talk about if this is such a great initiative, right? Why be sneaky and do it? And and that's a good. Why, why that's not a good bring shift? it to the? Why not listen? Let's just take it. If you're for, let's just say, if you grab your four or against. Let's just talk about the process, right? Mm-hmm. You can't have a health commissioner who works on this project, right? Mm-hmm. Over the last several months in Kensington, they had several community meetings about this very hot topic. They did. With South Philadelphia, they had none, right? So let's take let's take me out. They said if the premise is we we, we did it this site because we didn't want the councilman to come out against it. But don't the people have a right? Let, take me out of it. Why not bring and let the community have a, why a is, meeting? But why right? is life something that democracy should be deciding? I mean, why why do we need to vote to save lives? If if the the data Wait, proves we didn't say vote, but we say inform the community that we're putting a and, safe and, and injection and site. And, and let me just shift, let me shift the topic. Let me jump back in here because um, okay, so if you even say if you take off the table the issue of safe injection sites themselves. 
Uh, even if everybody here was okay with in- safe injection sites. Let's talk about the uh, process. And, I mean, and just, just follow the flow with me. If you say, okay, safe injection sites, we want this to happen, number one. Number two, there was no community discussion about where that should happen Sneaky. or when it should happen. And it was announced with like a week's notice. That's the process that happened here. Comments on that. I mean, even if you suspend your, um, Let's take your, my, opposition, my own your opposition to safe injection sites, if we look at the process of this, James, comment. I mean, I mean if you're looking at it from a zoning perspective, though, it was by right. I mean, they 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 followed the rules Let's of talk our about zoning the moral code. Perspective. So, okay, but the moral perspective is that people are dying, and we need to do something about it. And you haven't done anything about it in South Philly right now. And so, but five. I do speak up about that. Five times more people are dying from overdose. It's it's a crisis. It's personally impacted me, which so is why I care so much about it. And tell us a little bit about your your story, James, because I mean, because people need to hear all sides of this argument. So uh, this past fall, my father overdosed uh, alone on his kitchen floor. It was hard to deal with. I couldn't help him. Our relationship had gotten toxic before his his passing because of his addiction. I look at sites like this, and I look at the data that has been shown um, where these sites exist that show that it does save lives and it does help people and it does get people into recovery. And there is no increase in crime around these facilities. Statistically, that's, that's absolutely incorrect. It, it, but the data disagrees with you. The data I have in <coughs> Calgary in 2018 on crime and disorder shows that within an 820-foot zone near the site, it has become ground zero for drug and violent and property crimes. But is that the study that was in the areas pulled? Nearly 50%, while vehicle crimes have increased 63%. But was that study pulled? More than 60%, and the total number and, and, and just let him finish because we, 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 we're double-sided here on pro uh, against... Uh, you so invite the invitees, though. I did, I if, did, if I'd I, have known it was two against one, I, I, I no, no, maybe no, would have no, opted no, and no, not... No. I just want to give okay. him... I gave a lot of a space to you guys. I'm just okay. trying to give him sure. an opportunity to share his story okay. as well. And we have we have more time. Y'all gotta. I mean, that's part sure. of the discussion. We, when had, the community discussion happens, there's going to be people who are for it as well. Yes. We've all and had, so we've all had. Fam- I've had family members that have uh, passed from overdose. There, probably ninety uh, percent of Philadelphians yeah. or people around the world have had this crisis happen. I have a friend who is actively in recovery for three years, mm-hmm. who said that this site is nonsense. And actively I, heroin in recovery, and said this this site is not the answer. And now, and let's, and let's move on, because clearly the process caused outrage, and people were yelling uh, at the press conference. People felt blindsided by the process. I, I have no opinion on, on the rollout of this at all, and I won't offer any opinion for or against, you know, the, the safe injection sites generally. What would have been a proper way? I mean, even if you disagree with it, what would have been the proper way where you would have said here's, here's the proper at least, way. It, at least they should have done here's that. Here's the proper way. And and this is me as a council person, right? Yeah. Even if it's by right, because I've I've done by right projects with developers, but out of respect for whatever you're putting in a person's neighborhood, you come to the office, say, Listen, councilman, we don't have to come to you, but we're putting this project in your district. And what is the process that you would like for us to do so we can roll it out to the whole community? And I would say, here's the RCO organizations in the neighborhood. Here are the community organizations in the neighborhood. Here are the block caps in the neighborhood. You should reach out to them. You should set some meetings up with them and let them know what's going on. This process, I've never talked to the health commissioner. Mm -hmm. And he sits on the board. At least 
they give us a chance to say, you know what, you could have took me from not being a supporter if this wasn't done so sneaky to maybe moving me to say, oh, you know what, I'm educated about this process. Maybe I could be a champion for it. But that conversation never happened. What they did was they decided to backdoor this way in in a sneaky way and said, you know what, we want to open it first and then do a community meeting, which if that's the case, then why give the community an opportunity to provide input if you're going to open up before you hear the issues and concerns. And did this sort of, did this, did this lack of process, Anthony, in your mind just burn the bridge, any bridge that could be had with the residents of South Philly? Uh, I think it burned the bridges absolutely with the residents of South Philadelphia and the residents of the entire city of Philadelphia, how they tried to, as, as I've said in, in my own discussions with people, the backdoor sneakiness of this. This safe injection site, all they're worried about is opening this site and claiming that we have the first safe injection site in the country and it opened up in Philadelphia. The reason they didn't reach out to the community is because once it finally got to the community, we were able to shut it down within 48 hours. If they would have said this six months ago, it never hits the floor. Yeah. It never hits the floor. And, and, and the, 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 the citizens have spoken up. They do not want it. There are obviously some citizens who do want it. Do you think they screwed this up, the rollout to the point where those who do want it are are now in a in a bad position because the the of the distrust that has grown. Um, I don't want to say that they screwed it up. I definitely don't think that it was the best <laughs> rollout. I agree with everyone when it comes to the fact that it was a surprise and it was shocking and it did cause a lot. Were of, you shocked? Yeah, I mean, there were people who knew about this prior to the announcement. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a shock to everyone, which was it, it had been kind of rumbling that it was happening. So people knew about it prior to the announcement. I will concede that they should not have opened before a public meeting. That being said, again, like just because people don't want something, at what point do we put people's lives over like the the wants of of people, right? Like we we have it we always do this thing. We do this with guns as well where it's like, "Oh, well, you know, we need to stop talking about guns. We need to talk about mental health." But then we never talk about mental health. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we do need to address the opioid crisis. What are we doing? What plans? What you know, what what yeah. have we addressed in that neighborhood where the issues are happening? And there's nothing. Yeah. And I have heard complaints of people shooting drugs in people's alleyways and things like that in South Philly. Um, and, and people have complained about the drug use. And the bottom line is people are dying in South Philly. And so if if and you mentioned this, there is a lot of money being spent on this. A lot of people do take issue with the fact that because it is a different demographic, there is all this money thrown at it. But it's not effective. If if there is this crisis where you have three times more people dying from opioid overdose than than gun violence. And I know you're a big proponent, Councilman, mm-hmm. of stopping violence. Yes. I mean, but something has and to I'm be done. A, and I'm it might not be. I'm a proponent of helping saving people lives. But it may not high. be what's. It may, it may it may have to be something drastic. And I just want to ask you this question sure. because Councilman, uh, I mean, uh, Governor Ed Rendell, who's a big proponent mm-hmm. of this. He said the community was just as you know, upset when they talked about needle exchange 30 years ago as they are about safe injection sites. But you know the difference is, you know the difference is? Yeah. He owned that process. He signed an executive order. So it wasn't the mayor and the health commissioner who sits on the board and and, and and the mayor and his administration team separating themselves from the process, right, and letting a nonprofit run it. Aaron Dell stepped up and said, this is my baby. This is what I believe needs to happen. I'm going to sign an executive order, and I'm going to take ownership of this, and I'm going to fund this right through the city of Philadelphia, and that's why that program was successful. 
that's not the case here. The way this was, with this approach was, we'll let the health commissioner sit on the board, right? We'll let him put the plans together, and we'll act like that there's no co-coordination in this process when everyone knows there has to be co-coordination because the health commissioner reports to the mayor, who's his boss. And so it maybe if they would have rolled it out and took ownership of it, right, and, and been real transparent and letting the public know this is coming, whether you like it or not, this is my mandate, then I think it probably would have been a little more rolled out. And, and so this is your position, and I'm going to repeat it back to you mm-hmm. just to be clear. You feel like if the mayor had mm-hmm. just manned up, and so to speak. This is my baby. And said, this is what we're going to do. Residents, be pissed if you must. Be pissed if you must. This is what we're going to do. That that no matter what, this would have this would have happened. They have to, yep. And, 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 and y'all would have been marching, <laughs> Anthony. If that was to happen, the same outrage would have happened. The people would have stood up like they've stood up in the last 48 hours. They would have gathered together. It's not going to happen in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, I want to know one person out there that gets high on a schedule. This building is going to be open four hours a day, five days a week. Where are they going on Saturday and Sunday? What are they going to do after that four-hour period, after they leave that facility high, maybe with their children? Yeah. Maybe they drove to that facility. Now they get into a vehicle, they drive three blocks down the road, and they cause a fatality. Who is responsible for that? James, get so, back in yeah, here. I just want to I mean, say. Because do you think if the mayor, if you think if the executive here took ownership and just did the executive order wait, like Rendell wait, did, do you think that wait, would? Wait, wait, I mean, I'm me, proud me, of the let mayor. Me, let, me, let me back. I just want to say really quick, though. I am part. proud of the mayor for standing up on this issue. I mean, if you go on his Facebook right now or you go on on his Twitter account right now, like he is this is his his project. He is proud of this and, and he is supporting this in a strong way that is bold and progressive for for our city but let me let me let me let me clarify it let me clarify the statement and let me be real clear on it when you talk about how Rendell approach and how it's being approached now needle exchange versus people getting high right it's two different things two totally different Mm -hmm. things you're talking about people being allowed to just get high with illegal drugs right that's a whole different concept so regardless of he does it himself by executive order or not, you're still going to get that outrage. I want to still be clear on that. Yeah. Real clear on that. It would have been shoving it down people's and, and, throat. And here's yeah. the other part. Not just in South Philly, people are getting high all across the city of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. right? And I'm always about supporting people that are trying to get themselves together. We have Recovery House in South Philadelphia on Point Breeze Avenue. I work yeah. with New Stop in Southwest. I'm supportive of ODAT, Mel Wells. I know about Gardenzi House. I support them. So it's never been a thing where I'm not supporting individuals in recovery and addiction. I just think this approach, yeah, this model isn't the way to go. Understood, understood. And so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the next steps. Uh, the U.S. attorney says he will appeal this ruling that pretty much opened the door for uh, this to even be announced and say that the safe house would open. Um, what are the next steps in the process as you see it, Councilman? And then what are the next? I want to talk about the residents and, and James, people who support it. What are the next steps as you see it? Well, we have a bill in city council right now sponsored by David O. And I'm a co-sponsor as well that will require, if you try to open up a safe injection site, mandatory community input. It also requires 90% consensus which is almost impossible on any topic. So your that bill effectively says that they can't open in the city. I mean, we, we've seen instances where we've tried to open like a, a pedestrian plaza on South Street, and it took 
10 years to get it done because three parking spaces were going away. And, and I don't think that project ever got 90% support. And now it's here and people love it. And it's a great you know, part of their community. But I mean, 90% support. Name one thing you know that people are 90%. In Philly? Yeah. I mean, that, that is effectively saying you might as well that just write a, a bill saying I mean, that you don't support it at all, which you have said starting? Is this your starting bid? I mean, I support, I, I support this bill. And also, Senator Williams on Monday is doing a press conference, mm-hmm. um, 11 a.m. He has a bill on the state level that yeah. will require mandatory um, input from local council members when you decide to just um, open up a safe injection site in any area. You got to go through your local council person. So, but this goes right back to the process, right? We're asking, well, why was this such a surprise? Because stuff like this happens all of a sudden. Now it's impo- like it, it'll be impossible for them to do it. They they saw what happened with. Kensington, when they tried to open, and it was spa zone, so that they could not open. They, they tried to go through the, the, the process, the community input process, and then the council person went, went over everything else and said, nope, this, this is now single-family housing yeah. only. It, it makes sense from a, the nonprofit's point of view as to why the process happened the way it did, because you're never going to yeah. get open if you constantly are facing legislation like 90% consensus. And so what are the next steps for residents? I mean, at this point, it seems like there are going to be roadblocks to, to this that are going to make it virtually impossible for a safe house to open. Listen, if you put this to a vote in South Philadelphia, you'll probably have 95 to 96 percent people against the opening of a safe injection site. Totally disagree. And if you put it to a vote within this city, it would be shut down in a minute. The, fe- the citizens are the people that speak up. The citizens have power in numbers. We are going to do everything we need to do to stand up and speak up. Our voices are going to be heard. I have almost 10,000 people standing behind me. There's more community members in our city that uh, have the same, maybe more than I have behind yeah. me. I yeah. have uh, support from, uh, you know, different council members. Councilman Kenyatta Johnson, been working with him very closely. I thank him for that. He uh, returns my phone calls every time I call him. Uh, uh, Councilman Squilla is on this with us. David O is on this. David O uh, uh, reached out to me also. Senator Larry Farnese is involved. This is not good for our community. If yeah. it was so good for our community, why don't they put it next door to their home? Is there any location that would be okay? I mean, even if I you- think every community should have the expectation that a facility like this will open in their community. I think every across the city, if they're if they want to open up twenty, then every community should have the expectation that something like this could open. We have to put people's health and put people's well-being above all else. And you have yeah. to put the health and well-being of the citizens that surround this uh, safe injection site also. If you're going to put it anywhere, why don't you take it down to Delaware Avenue, yeah. Columbus yeah. Boulevard, put it down there where there's nothing away from everyone. Why do you have to have it on someone's back doorstep? Yeah, That's and, absurd. And because this is Flashpoint, we do need to wrap this up. I mean, safe injection sites Halted for now, but there is there's still folks that want this to happen. Do you believe it will happen eventually, as James mentioned? If not, how do we safely provide some type of service to save lives? Anything that's done needs to be transparent. That's first and foremost with community input. And I'm for making sure that, again, we're spending more than $100 million on this issue, right? We need to look at every service that we're providing, right, making sure that the providers that we're paying they're doing everything possible to save lives as opposed to just taking yeah. a check. And at the end of the day, put those resources to work in terms of helping individuals. That's always been my approach. And again, I, I will say for the record, and this is not a new issue to me, and I don't have to get all into it, but 
course I know people who passed away from getting high. I mean, grew up in neighbors where people been ravished from getting high, so that's not never been the issue. But we're talking about the approach, and we are talking about using city resources to make sure that we're actually helping individuals get the services that they need. And most importantly, no matter how you look at it, a controversial issue such as this, you have to have some level of community input. Again, Jerry, I'd like to thank you for having me on and getting the opportunity to get my uh, word out to the community. I just want to let everyone know that uh, we are not going to let this happen. We are vehement about it. I have, like I said, 10,000 people standing behind me. Uh, we have a rally that is scheduled to go off. It was going to be a, a protest rally on March 1st, Sunday, 3 p.m. That rally is still on. It's now a victory rally. Stand up South Philly and take our streets back. Hashtag Unites Victory Party. Small battle won in the war that we're fighting. And uh, I encourage all South Philadelphians to attend that. All people in Philadelphia to attend that. And uh, we're going to take our streets back one day at a time. And I don't know where any anybody that uh, thinks that uh, uh, saving life starts by uh, enabling someone to further their habit. And final word. Yeah, um, I just want to encourage anyone who is listening It does support sites like this to reach out to their elected officials and let them know that they support it. I also encourage people to do their research on on these facilities. There's a lot of misinformation out there right now. And the data does show that this helps save lives. And if it saves one life, then that's important to me. Thank you to Councilman Kenyatta Johnson, Anthony Giordano, and James Guido for coming on Flashpoint and talking about this issue in the news. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks. Thank you. Next up, former Governor Ed Rendell speaks out regarding the outrage over the safe injection site. We should have had a community meeting before we announced. His reasoning behind the silent rollout and next steps to get a safe house opened. So we'll be right back. Hey, Flashpoint fam. If you like what you hear, please stick around and take a listen to some of our past episodes. Some of our most popular episodes include the exclusive featuring David L. Cohen from Comcast. He's talking about the $20 billion lawsuit against the company brought by entertainment mogul Byron Allen. In addition, we got a lot of downloads on our hair and identity show. It was inspired by the one and only Ayanna Presley, who came out as bald. And if you're wondering what is human trafficking, take a listen to this Flashpoint Extra exclusive where Philadelphia mom tells the story of her daughter getting trafficked at 15 years old. She's sharing it, hoping to save others. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. Tell us what you think. Thanks all. This is Flashpoint, and I'm Cherry Gregg. Our newsmaker of the week is Safe House. You already heard that their efforts to open the nation's first safe injection site was shut down days after it was announced that it would open. So what happened? How did the effort implode in just 48 hours? With me on the phone to discuss it is former Governor Ed Rendell, who is on the Safe House Board of Directors. Governor, thank you for coming on Flashpoint. My pleasure. So the current status of the safe injection site is that it won't happen. Can you explain what happened here? Well, not that it won't happen. It won't happen at the location we were planning to open up on next week. But it will happen, and we will find a location that is acceptable. Understand, placing a a thing like this, you're never going to get immediate acceptance. We should have had a community meeting before 
we announced that we were going into South Philly. That was my mistake. Uh, the people who uh, run Safe House were confident once it opened, people would see there was no problem and it would dissipate. But still, we should have had a community meeting first. We wouldn't have satisfied anybody at that community meeting. They would have been as opposed as they were at the press conference we had because they fear the unknown. Yeah. And I tried to relate to them my experience. What convinced me that this was a good idea and could be done safely was my experience with Prevention Point. You know Prevention Point is our needle exchange program, mm -hmm. which has been enormously successful. 25 cities have copied it. The federal government changed the statute to authorize giving of clean needles for people who wanted to inject themselves as exempt from the statute distributing narcotics paraphernalia. It's been a tremendous success. And last year, Prevention Point was able to talk 700 people into going into treatment who wouldn't have gone into treatment if they hadn't gone to prevention point to, to but, get a clean needle. But the safe injection site, uh, Governor, is a little bit different, and people felt like the location specifically where well, they were daycares... Why do you think it's a little different? Why do you think it's well, a little people different? Think, people think it's different because they feel like no, the actual people, injection of drugs happens at this site, and that's why sure. they feel it's different. Prevention point, you got a clean needle, and when people got the clean needle... They injected themselves in, at the site, and nothing happened. The crime rate, everyone said, oh, crime's going to go up in the neighborhood. For the three years after Prevention Point opened, crime actually went slightly down in the neighborhood. They're going to defecate on the streets, et cetera, et cetera. Well, no, they aren't, especially in South Philly, because the site we picked was a mid-rise office building. Anybody who wanted to use the services of Safe House would have been met at the door, escorted up to the floor that this was on. And the floor it was on, there were no children, there was no daycare, no anything, just a few offices. They would have been talked to by a social worker who would have tried to talk them into going into treatment. Then they would have injected themselves in front of trained medical personnel. So if they had an overdose... Yeah. They could have uh, been administered Narcan, and it would have saved their lives. They didn't get into an overdose. They would have been escorted out uh, by the safe house people under the street. And so what happened with the communication, sir? Because it wasn't good, and people just felt like they were blindsided. And if it was this simple, why couldn't this be explained to the community in advance? Well, number one, it was explained for the last year when we were talking about going to Kensington. Number one. Number two, we made a mistake. And I take responsibility for that mistake. We should have had the community meeting. But you understand, the community meeting would have satisfied no one because people fear the unknown. It's the same way if you want to put a shopping center in a residential area. It's the same way if you want to put a waste facility in a residential area. People fear the unknown. And, and, and my follow-up to you, sir, is though folks like Senator, say Senator Farnese, others who actually supported safe injection sites initially say that this lack of community insight, this what they call the sneak attack, ask for forgiveness versus permission, has caused you to now lose some of those folks no. who support it. Do you think you've lost folks because of this? No, in fact, uh, the phone calls to Safe House has been getting, we've gained folks. You know, it's interesting. Everyone says the community is against Safe House. Well, do you remember a few months ago, Drexel University conducted a poll in Kensington about the opening of Safe House in Kensington and found that two-thirds of the people, maybe not the people who scream and yell at community meetings, but two-thirds of the people thought it was a good idea because they want
wanted to get the injections off the streets where their kids could see them. They wanted to get those people no longer congregating under the L in Kensington, defecating on the streets and throwing trash on the streets. So they were in favor of Safe House. I did the Mike Smirconis show on Saturday morning on CNN with Mr. McSwain, and we both gave our point of view. And Smirconis asked his viewers to come in and call in and say whether they supported it or not. 61% of the viewers supported it. I think it's the fear of the unknown, and that's true with everything. Uh, I think had it opened, people would have seen that it wasn't much of an incursion on society. And I even said at the meeting to the people who were correctly angry because they didn't get prior notice, I said, look, we're going to have a complaint line. Let's see how it goes. If there are problems, we'll reassess it and maybe close it down. But do you think so, now that you've burned the bridge with the community that may have supported you, do you think you burned that bridge? There anybody in that room who was going to support us. Regardless. Except, except the people who came who had sons and daughters of dive overdoses. That community supports us overwhelmingly. Yeah, and now i got to say, now Councilman uh, O is planning to introduce a bill that will require like 90% community approval for a safe injection site to open state Senator Anthony Hardy Williams and others are planning to introduce a bill on the state level on this very issue that will make community input mandatory. Did this lack of communication sort of put a nail in the coffin of this or make it even harder for you guys to get this done? No, because you can't have the projects determined by community response because if you did, you'd have a prison built nowhere. If you did, you'd have a waste facility built nowhere. If you did, you'd have a halfway house built nowhere. If you did, you'd have a narcotics treatment facility built nowhere. We all have to share the, some of the burdens of living in a in a large city. A large city has all of those problems, and they all have to be placed somewhere. The Northeast has most of the prisons. South Philadelphia's biggest right because they had all the sports facilities and had all the traffic and so every neighborhood has something that they don't want the day you start passing laws that say you have to have 90 percent approval from the public is the day that government will grind to a halt and good projects will not get off the ground and i also don't think that they'd be very legal yeah and i gotta ask you this because i had we do we did a segment on the community point of view earlier today and one of the things that councilman kenyatta johnson said was that the difference between when you uh rolled out prevention point and needle exchange programs is that you took ownership that it was through executive order and that you were able to have this happen. Is this something that needs to happen with this administration? Because it seems like if the community is so outraged and it blocks it at every step, does there need to be more executive action here? Um, No, I think the mayor's been pretty clear that he supports it, that he's going to give the extra resources to sites that safe houses go into extra police, extra sanitation, et cetera. I think the mayor's been on record pretty loud and clear. And now the U.S. attorney has said that he will appeal the federal court decision that allowed Safe House to push this through. Uh, what will you all do to fight this? We'll fight it in court just like we did for the lower court. Are you confident that you'll win again at the appeal at the appellate level? Well, you're never going to be confident of how a baseball game or a football game or a horse race or a court case is going to come out. But I think the law is on our side. What are the next steps, though, for the nonprofit to rebuild the community we'll trust? We'll look for another location. But community might, trust, how do you rebuild that? We'll try wherever the location is, and it could be South Philadelphia, it could be Kensington, it could be anywhere. We'll try to talk to the community, but I guarantee you, we could have an eight-hour community meeting, and we're not going to convince anybody that it's a good idea. 
you know, that's just the nature of what it is. It's when I was mayor, we had a plan to save $18 million by taking 7,000 streetlights, which our traffic people told us were not necessary, uh, out of operation because the streetlights cost money because of the electricity that is used to operate them. And we had community meetings for every one of those streetlights we wanted to take out. And people would come and they'd listen to the experts which said traffic would be just as easily prevented by having to stop signs. And people nodded their heads, they listened to the experts. And then after a two, three-hour community meeting, everyone was against losing their streetlight. You know what happened? We took most of the streetlights out. The accident rate actually went down around the city, and no one was harmed. People fear the unknown, and that's the toughest problem. You know, you've heard the slogan, NIMBY, not in my backyard. Well, the head of my parking authority, when I was mayor, Ryan Cutler, had two other slogans. One was an organization called NOPE, which stood for Nowhere on Planet Earth. And then the other organization was called Banana, which stood for Build Anything Nowhere Near Anybody. Because, I mean, there is a lot of fear here, but South Philadelphia is a tough neighborhood. Uh, it's a tough neighborhood, and they they are going to still rally on Sunday right. in victory. But one of the things that they said was that we don't need this in South Philadelphia. Well, if you believe in the signals from from above, while they were celebrating their victory, a 31 year old man overdosed one block from Constitution Health Plaza, same day, one block. Had we had the safe injection site up and running, he probably would have lived. Now, do you think, given the the shame around the use of, you know, this type of drug, especially in South Philly, do you think this type of person would go to the safe injection site that was only going to be open for a few hours a day during the week? Well, first of all, one of the protesters acknowledged that there was open and notorious injections in the alley behind his house. So it does happen in the, in the open in South Philly, and it is a problem in South Philly. There's no question that it is. And that young man, the 31-year-old man, was one block away from the facility. So it does happen. But the people who are addicted, they're desperate. And yes, they would use the facility. And by the way, the facility was only going to be open four hours, five days a week to begin with because we wanted to see what the traffic was and whether there wouldn't be too much traffic if we opened up for longer periods of time. So that might have not been the final hours of operation. And so what will you all do if you had to do all over? What would you have changed to make this more palatable to the people who uh, live we in that community? A, we would have had a community meeting. We would have talked to the elected officials a little early. But the elected officials, if you shot the elected officials up with truth serum, I think most of them would tell you that uh, they believe it's a good idea. But they don't have the courage to say that in front of some angry constituents. But uh, we would have talked to the elected officials. We would have had a public meeting because that would have eliminated the process argument. Then the only argument would have been, was it a good idea? And given what happened with Prevention Point, nobody can say that this isn't a good idea that won't save lives and won't send a lot of young people into treatment. Well, you guys are going to have a lot of work to do because now you got bills that are coming, that are going to be rolling out to try to block this. Any ideas on how you're going to tackle that? Well, we'll see. And will you still have the community meeting in coming weeks to try to move this forward, or are you going to just put this down for a while until it cools off? No, no. If we if we decide the next best location is in South Philadelphia, we would have a committee meeting. And so I understand that the, uh, the, the landlord pulled the lease, but this was after Safe House had initially said, you know what, we're going to postpone it until we talk to the community. Um, are there, you know, any thoughts to putting it where less traffic is? Because that's what... 
people, you know, the, the few folks who could possibly swallow it was like it needs to be away from residential areas. What do you say in response to that? We're going to look for the best possible location that will have the least intrusion on, cause the least problems in any community where it's placed. So what should the community do in the meantime? Because you, like you mentioned, I mean, people are dying from overdoses. They should try to convince the people they know who are addicted to go in and get treatment. Yeah, yeah. And I will say, uh, have you guys ever thought about bringing all the people together that actually do support this? Because I think that sure, we the had rallies... them down at court. We had them down at court. And if there was a community meeting, those people would come to the community meeting and they would be heard. In fact, a few of them were in the press conference and they did speak, but the press didn't report them. What are the next steps for Safe House, Governor? We're looking for point. a new location. Looking for a new location. The quest continues to become the first safe injection site in this country then? Absolutely. But wish we could push the clock back to 1992 to see people making the same objections to prevention point and then push it back to 1995 to see how successful it was, how it cut the AIDS rate and how no additional crime was caused to the neighborhood. But if we could push the clock forward 10 years, then every major city in the country will have a, a number of different safe house locations like they do in 27 other countries where nothing has gone wrong, where there hasn't been additional crime and where they save tens and tens and tens of lives of their best young people every year. A lot of people say that this is coming. It's only a matter of time and we'll see what the community reaction will be uh, moving forward. So is there anything else, Governor, that I didn't ask you about that you think is important to mention? What's your favorite charity? Anything dealing with girls. I will bet you $100 that I will give to your favorite charity that Whatever community meeting we have, the majority of people who come to the community meeting will be against it. It's always the way. Have you ever seen any neighborhood welcome a halfway house? Have you ever seen a, any neighborhood welcome a place that treats narcotics addicts, that gives them therapy and other type of treatments? Your point is that this, this safe My point is we have to have a lot of things that no neighborhood wants in the city of Philadelphia, and we all have to share in that. People said to me, would I take one of these safe injection sites in my neighborhood in East Falls. And if we had a serious problem in East Falls, if a lot of people were dying of overdose there, the answer would be absolutely yes. Well, on that note, Governor Ed Rendell, thank you so much for coming on Flashpoint, talking about this issue in the news. My pleasure. Next up, they built a seat at the table in the name of gender equality. Women before us fought very hard for this right. The rollout of Vision 2020, celebrating 100 years since the passage of the 19th Amendment. We'll be right back. February is Black History Month, so be sure to check out all the stories for the KYW News Radio Game Changers in Black History Month. We have folks battling colorism. We have individuals who are turning drug corners into community hubs. Check out the stories. You can go on to KYWNewsRadio.com slash Game Changers. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. Be sure to subscribe to the Flashpoint podcast by downloading the radio.com app, Apple podcast app, or other platforms. All you have to do is search Flashpoint. Now we here at KYW, we are all about community. And this year marks the 100th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment. But there's still so much work to do to ensure economic, political, and social equality for women. In Vision 2020, they have our back. Vision 2020 is a national coalition that brings together organizations and individuals that strive for gender equality. They have a lot coming up to celebrate the centennial. And here to tell us more about it is our Patreon home care changemaker, Joyce Lewandowski, Program Director for Vision 2020. Welcome to Flashpoint. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I'm so excited. For those folks who have not heard of Vision 2020, tell us what you ladies do. Sure. Um, So we are housed at Drexel University at the Institute for Women's Health and Leadership. As you mentioned, Vision 2020 is a national coalition, a women's equality coalition specifically, and we have delegates who are basically our ambassadors who are all across the country, along with over 130 allied organizations who are nonprofits, nonpartisan organizations who have some sort of aligned mission with us. So Girl Scouts, the Ms. Foundation, Rock the Vote, just to name a few. We work very closely with them to make sure that we're moving in the right direction when it comes to the gender equality movement. But this is a big year. I was just going to say, but 2020, we've been gearing up for this for over a decade at the Institute. So we can't believe that 2020 is finally here. Mm -hmm. I know the big kickoff comes in just a matter of days. That's right. March 1st, we are kicking off with our interactive exhibition, A Seat at the Table. This is located in the lobby of the Kimmel Center. So anyone who's in Center City, even if you just need an excuse to go into Center City, please stop by the Kimmel Center to check it out. It's an interactive exhibition. It's free to the public. It's family friendly. And essentially, it gives guests an opportunity to learn a little bit more about the history of the 19th Amendment, the movement, the the positive aspect some of the pitfalls, and then also some major landmarks that have happened in the women's movement and how they're still impacting us today. You guys have a lot of, I mean, just a lot. We sure do. It's so funny because we're always telling people we're a mighty team, but a small team, but we are making it happen. And it's it's really exciting. Cherry, I'm so glad you're actually going to be joining us for yes. uh, Spring Breakthrough. It's a conference that is meant for college students, not just in the Philadelphia area, but across the country. It is a heavy focus on intersectional feminism and social justice work. And it's really a cool chance to bring students together to talk about what are the particular issues happening on their campuses and what can we do to help prepare them when they go back and, you know, make an impact, whether it's hosting voter registration or talking about their careers in a very different way that's unique to Generation Z. We're going to tackle it. Yeah, because millennials are about to be old hat. <laughs> Z's coming. Uh, it's true. As a millennial, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, I mean, and there's a reason why Vision 2020 has spent so much time preparing for this year. Explain. So as you mentioned, this is the centennial of the 19th Amendment, so 100 years of women's voting rights. And too many people still are not exercising their right to vote. And one of our missions is to really make sure that people, but really mostly women, are doing that. They're showing up at the polls. It's not just about registering. Registering is great. We know that's step number one. But what can we do to make sure that voting is accessible? So we have our voter mobilization initiative, which is going to be using an app where we're going to have teams across the country who are essentially going to compete for some prizes to see how many people they can actually register to vote and then check in with them and Again, making sure they're actually showing up to the polls. We're not telling people who to vote or how to vote. We just want people to vote and women to know that women before us fought very hard for this right. And the best way to honor that is to cast your ballots in 2020. And what is interesting to me is that women literally like made the difference in 2016. They'll likely make the difference 
in 2020. This is a census year. Women are the heads of many, many households, and they're going to make sure we're counted. This is a big deal this year. A lot of things happening as we celebrate the centennial of women's suffrage. That's right. Any other highlights that people should be aware of? Because this is not just for March for you guys. That's right. So spring breakthrough, this is specifically for college students. So if you do know a student who would be interested in this or any folks who work in higher education, please encourage them to send your students. We'll give you the website at the end of the show so you know exactly where to go. Following spring breakthrough, we have our women's leadership forums, and those will also take place at the Kimmel Center. It is a day-long program where we have three different panel discussions. They are focused on honoring the past, enriching the present, and shaping the future. And this is happening on April 1st. Wonderful. So just over the next month or so, Vision 2020 is super busy. I was part of your event last year, and there was a bringing together of all sorts of women because women are not a monolith. You know, so many differences between women. How are you working to make sure that women come together? I think we've seen history tends to teach us a lot of things, a lot of mistakes that we don't want to repeat. And we're very honest about how the suffrage movement was not necessarily an inclusive movement. Fortunately, there was a lot of division among black women, white women. We do love our fearless leaders who made sure to reach across the table and have the abolitionist movement and the suffrage movement come together. And so we want to make sure that we're doing that today. We're always mindful. So as we put these programs together, we select our speakers. We're very intentional about making sure that they're walking the walk when it comes to having an inclusive movement. Because if we are not, if we're leaving people out of the discussion, it defeats the entire purpose of having a seat at the table. Yeah. And it's so awesome to see so many women in Congress, so many women running for office locally. I mean, there's so many women now in city council. There's so much going on. (laughs) It's exciting. Yeah. And so where can people get details and sign up to come to these events and go check out the new exhibit? Women100.org. Everything is there. We actually have registration open for a few events right now. Really awesome. So I want to say thank you to you, uh, Joyce Lewandowski, Program Director for Vision 2020. Anything else you want to add? I'm just so excited that the year 2020 is here, and we hope everyone will come out to vote, and you'll join us at Women 100. Wonderful. Check them out at women100.org. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll be right back. Are you disappointed in the timing of your home care paycheck? Or are you being paid at all? Call Patriot Home Care today and know that your paycheck will arrive on time and that you'll be well paid. As a leading home care provider in Pennsylvania, Patriot offers the most comprehensive benefits package in the state. You can qualify for free health care, 401k retirement benefits, paid sick time and vacations, and time and a half pay for holidays. Who doesn't like that, right? You can call Patriot Home Care today at 877-535-5550. That's 877-535-5550. Again, it's 877-535-5550. That's it for the Flashpoint Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this exclusive content. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. You can also follow me at Cherry Greg. If there's an issue that makes you hot under the collar, let us know. And we'll walk you through the flames. To quote the Dalai Lama, the lack of transparency results in distrust and a deep sense of insecurity. I'm your host, Cherry Greg. Until next week, thanks for listening.